Policing in America is facing an existential threat that will take years to overcome. Officers are leaving our profession at an alarming rate, while at the same time, fewer candidates are seeking policing as a profession. On this episode, we're pleased to welcome a guest who has proven his vested interest in public safety, both home and abroad. Today, we are joined by Representative Jim Banks, who represents Indiana's 3rd Congressional District. We will discuss recruiting, retention, and stability issues for policing. In the House, Mr. Banks is a member of the Committee on Armed Services, the Committee on Education and Labor, and a Committee on Veterans Affairs. Previously, he served as a member of the Indiana's State Senate from 2010 to 2016, taking a temporary leave in 2014 to fulfill his military deployment to Afghanistan. I am Patrick Eos, National President of Fraternal Order Police. This is the Blue View. Well, Representative Banks, thanks you for joining us on the Blue View. Uh, uh, could you just, if to start, if you could just let our listeners know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, grew up in a small town just outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, less yeah. than ten thousand people, called Columbia City. It was a town where the most prominent and respected people in my small town were were police officers. You know, it was that kind of town. Yeah. And uh, my dad was a factory worker, uh, yeah. belonged to a union all of his life. My mom was a cook in a nursing home. Never in their wildest dream did they ever think that their son yeah. would grow up to be a congressman. Uh, but here we are. I'm, li- I'm living the American dream. I served in uniform in Afghanistan. I stir- served in the state house. My wife and I have three young daughters, so pray right. for us, 13, 11, and 9 years old. We have a lot of drama in our house. But we're, we're just so proud to serve. And here we are in Washington, D.C. at such an important time serving in the house and we don't take it lightly any day. Well, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, you know, uh, very, the very things we enjoy in this country today are, are bought and paid for by, by men and women brave enough to, uh, to, to stand for those for principles. So thank you for, yeah. for your service. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you. you know, let's, I, I want to dive right into it. Uh, yeah, it's been a very difficult year, two years for law enforcement, uh, you know, start with COVID and then, you know, we went from COVID where, where law enforcement was praised for staying up, staying on job and everyone else was socially distancing and, and you know, protecting themselves and, and, and expose us and our families to, to a higher, you know, higher, higher likelihood of, uh, of COVID. And we were praised at that time. People recognized the sacrifice of law enforcement. And then eight minutes and 46 seconds on a street in Minneapolis just pretty much changed it all. And we went from public servants to public enemies overnight. And, and all of the struggles that have happened through those two years, especially in Congress, uh, and that's more importantly what I'd like to talk about, is those challenges in Congress where, you know, there's so much, so much is placed at the feet of law enforcement. You know, we're like low-hanging fruit of a, of a, a tree of failed promises. And law enforcement just took it on a chin with all of it. And it has really impacted our profession on a number of ways. Uh, but the one I really want to dive into and, and talk about some of the legislation that you're proposing is recognizing the stability of our profession. Uh, to take the demonization away of all of, you know, that, that part is its own, you know, challenge that we have to deal with. But, but Look at the stability of our profession. We have law enforcement officers that are leaving our profession at a rate we have never, ever witnessed before. We have experience walking out the door. Not only do we have experience, but we have an investment in every community across this country where they've put put hard-earned tax dollars into into developing law, effective law enforcement officers. And we're watching them leave and go into other industry because it's just simply more stable. Yeah. Uh, you know, every, I think everyone in life wants two things. They want to know what, what they're doing is important, and they want to know that it's, 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 it's valued, that it's recognized, that it's appreciated, and we've lost that. And as a result, our profession in policing is really is destabilized. 
Uh, people aren't taking this job. No, they want to stay on it because they're stripping away things that that provide some protection to law enforcement officers. Why would anyone want, want to take this job when you're just one call away from from being you know being you know arrested yourself? Uh, mm. No one, no other profession is asked to do these very things. So let's talk a little bit about where we find ourselves at least trying to attract the best and brightest and, and talk about some of the legislation that you see on providing more stability to, to yeah well I, I hear you and I hear it all over my district yeah. small small towns local police and no one's immune to it now, it doesn't matter the size of your agencies everyone's dealing with the same problems that's right I mean I, I, I represent Fort Wayne Indiana the, yeah. the second biggest city in the state but I also represent a number a number of small towns and they all tell me the same thing that you know when I when I was growing up a, a police officer job was a Good paying, working class job, and and highly competitive, right? I mean, you you right. know this very well. I mean, 10, 20 years ago, you would have uh, many candidates apply for one to be one uh, for one open police officer job in a community, and ev- every community that I represent is having is seeing this struggle play out as it's harder to recruit record high number of retirements, or or police officers just say I can go make more money doing something else and go find a more meaningful job uh, doing something else. You know, one, one thing that I point out is, you know, it wasn't that long ago when if you put 10 police officers in a room, um, they might not want to tell you what their political affiliation was, but probably half of them were Republicans and half of them were Democrats. And the, the partisan, the highly political nature of the, um, uh, the, the, the war on law enforcement coming especially from the radical left I think has has changed. I don't want to make I don't want to make this a partisan political conversation, but you are seeing this play out in a big way. I mean, look at look at Speaker Pelosi. The last two Democrat majorities in the Congress and two Congresses in a row, they passed bills to take away your qualified immunity and pass other bills that that really go after law enforcement officers. And I think that that's one big reason why you're seeing what you're seeing in your profession is uh, the the political class in Washington really has it out for uh, the men and women who, who wear the uniform, who protect us every day. Uh, it's a job that they would definitely would not do themselves. I mean, it's just exposing ourselves to, you know, so many different uh, challenges and, and to take away some of those protections. You know, I, I think there's a, a huge misconception, huge misconception when it comes to qualified immunity, what it is and what it is not. And, and over and over again, the system has proved that it does work. In fact, more often than not, qualified immunity is not uh, a protection. You, in order to have qualified immunity, you have to be within, within the law, within policy. And, uh, and, and if you're doing these things within law and with policy, then, then there is a protection with it. If you're not, uh, we look at, at example after example after example where, where our officers have not, and, and the system has worked in, 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 in you know, the process. But, but there seems to be this perception, and I think most people in the country don't understand qualified immunity. They just think somehow officers have, they, you know, have, can do whatever they want and are, and are, are free of any, of any reaction or actions to, to them. And it's simply not the case. Um, yeah, like that's the, so true. Yeah. I, I introduced a, a bill to codify qualified immunity, and the FOP was really important, yeah. help us, helping us draft it, right. showing support for it. And I, I, I greatly appreciate that because we, it, it's a product of, of, uh, of, of a couple of constituents, a, a county sheriff, Chris Newton, the Huntington County, Indiana sheriff, and Jason Ward, an Indiana state trooper, who are watching the, the fallout of the riots in 2019 and uh, what happened in Minneapolis, what the the conversation in Washington, mostly by 
uh, those on the left, but even some Republicans who are buying into the notion that we should strip away qualified immunity. And as I said, the Democrats passed a bill twice uh, in two consecutive Congresses to take away qualified immunity. So these two police officers reached out to me and I, I didn't know, I'll admit, I didn't know this. I didn't know a whole lot about qualified immunity, but they made the point. They said, uh, Sheriff Newton and and uh, state troopers said, if if one political party uh, can take away our qualified immunity, why can't you pass a law to protect it? And at that and, and that was an important question because I didn't realize that it wasn't a it wasn't a law. It's a court case that created Correct. qualified immunity, and that's why we went to work uh, drafting the legislation. Of course, uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, who 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 is on the front lines of taking away stripping qualified immunity from police officers didn't allow this bill to pass but now that Republicans and Kevin McCarthy is the speaker Republicans have the majority in the Congress I hope we can have a real conversation yeah. about co- codifying it cementing it in into the law and the reason why is because this sheriff and the state trooper both explained to me that if you take away our qualified immunity we are not going to endanger the livelihood of our families by continuing to serve as law enforcement officers and potentially lose lose it all to a frivolous lawsuit by exactly by a criminal yeah. who wants to who wants to make a point and wants to file a lawsuit and one you have to defend yourself hire a lawyer and defend yourself or two you might become subject to a frivolous yeah, lawsuit. I don't, I don't know a whole lot of professions that uh, that uh, you ask so much a, a, of an individual. That's right. Not only you know we we could talk about the office officer wellness component of it, just the, the health issues associated with uh, being a law enforcement officer of, of repetitive uh, trauma uh, and, and all of that, all of that in itself is a, is a challenge that, you know, something, something that, uh, that we need to embrace more. Uh, we need to have those open discussions, but all that aside, uh, even if we manage all of those, what you're still doing is you're asking someone to take this job to run towards the sound of gunfire. Mm-hmm. And potentially recognizing that they're placing, you know, they they freely doing so we're freely doing that, knowing that it could cost us our lives. That's you know we we signed up for that. What we haven't signed up for is to be persecuted and have our family destroyed because of actions we're doing. And you know, I I, I, I talk about qualified immunity, and, and people say we need to get rid of it. So here here's the difference. The way that I I, I describe it is this: if I give you a job and you don't want to do that job, well, you make an argument about argument, but why you don't want to do that job. Uh, maybe it's not safe. Uh, maybe you, you break it down and you say, okay, I, I, I've analyzed the situation. I recognize that there's you know, a certain amount of damage or, 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 or concerns that I may have of doing it. But if I'm a law enforcement officer and I get sent to a call, if there's something that happens, there's an active shooter situation anywhere, I don't have that luxury of saying, you know what, I've assessed this situation and made the determination that responded to this could place myself and my family in harm's way, both both physically and also uh, without the protection of qualified immunity. Mm. It's a different world here. Do we really want to put ourselves in a position where you're asking law enforcement officers not to run towards the sound of gunfires to, to defend communities? Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really what this argument is. Right. It's not a suggestion that somehow uh, law enforcement officers can do whatever they want and not be held accountable for it, and we're, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, we saw it in, in Minneapolis. We're going to see it. It's obviously the process is working itself out in, in Memphis, and so it should. Mm-hmm. So it should. No one's above the law. Yeah, um, and this is so important. I mean, if you look at any poll in any congressional district in America, and public safety and crime is one of the top two or three issues to every single voter on both sides of the aisle. It's not a Republican or Democrat issue, but we've seen violent crime on the rise I think in a big way because of the, the the political establishment in Washington, especially those on the left who are going after police officers, making the police off. Maybe they're trying to cover up 
their soft on crime approach and some of the the bills that they've passed at the federal level, that at the local level. I mean, I think 25 out of 26 of the worst crime ridden cities in America have a Democrat mayor who who many of them spoke out in the in the defund the police movement and the war on on law enforcement. So I don't want to I'm going to go back to the trooper, the state trooper and the sheriff for a minute. I mean, these are two men who feel who feel very called to wear the uniform and to protect their community. And and I, I imagine uh, every man and woman in America Everyone puts on the uniform. Yeah. You feel called to do it. And and I, I don't dismiss that. But if you took away qualified immunity from all of your sisters and brothers in law enforcement, it would have a an even more drastic effect no on recruitment and uh, the ability to retain uh, police officers in this country. And that that's when, I mean, the American people often take it for granted. You take for granted that a police officer is going to show up if something bad goes happen, yeah. ha- but goes wrong or happens in your community. But then, then that becomes a real, a real dangerous crisis in a community. If we can't find people to put on the uniform to begin with, you know, when the, the whole George Floyd justice and policing act made it worked its way through the house, uh, we tried, uh, and we we're the largest rank and file police organization in the country. Uh, we, we had some calls and, and, and discussions about it, but when it came down to it, we're, we're really pretty much just locked out of this whole discussion in the Senate is where we had to, to do our work and, and slow this process down. And let's talk about these detrimental things. They were actually some good things in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We could we embrace We can embrace those. That's not a that's not the issue. The issue is is whether some of them go too far. And I look across this country, and you point out the cities that are struggling. I, I will say this, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want to make this a political, a partisan thing. I, I think we went through a period of time where we saw something that shocked our conscious, conscious, and because of that, we saw a, a reaction, a quick reaction, without uh, having all viewpoints added into this equation. And we saw uh, state legislatures pass some legislation that is. Has been detrimental. We saw cities councils pass legislation, and we saw Congress trying to pass legislation on, on some things that, with without everyone's input on it, uh, what I am, you know, I will say is not everyone, but there are a lot of them of reverse course. They recognize that some of the things were maybe a bridge too far. That were knee jerk reaction. We needed to. I think you. I don't think you're going to find a person in law enforcement, at least that's not committed to this job. Some eight hundred thousand of us that uh, that don't recognize that uh, policing in America is evolving. It, it always evolves. The very powers that we have as police officers are directly related to trust in the community. If we learned anything, uh, we have some work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it has to be done the right way. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And, and qualified immunity is a perfect example of that. I know that uh, this is this is going to be an uphill battle. I, I know that the, the House has changed, but we also know the Senate is, uh, you know, the other equation to this. In order to get it passed, we need both of them on the same page. What do you what do you see the challenges are going to have with this bill? And uh, how, what do you, how do you think the Senate will uh, will view it as well? well? Republicans have a four seat majority and you have a you do have a, f- a couple of Republicans who might be more libertarian that who yeah. do openly support uh, stripping qualified immunity. Not very many Republicans, though, yeah. but even even with a four seat majority. I hope we can take this up, take up this cause to support law enforcement. We can't. Here's the deal. We campaigned on it. Republicans yeah. campaigned on it. And the American yes. people gave us a majority. Right. Now we have to keep our word and do what we said we were going to do and support right. local law enforcement. We also need to hold local district attorneys uh, accountable for not- Hold uh, the topic. Right. For not, <laughs> we'll talk for about not, that one in uh, a second. Not enforcing the law. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. a big part of the recipe to- 
to no uh, restore restore law and order too. No question, no question. Um, what do you uh, what is what you feel in the Senate? Uh, we'll make it there. Yeah, I, the Senate is a is a different animal, <laughs> it, um, without a doubt. You know, so we often in the House we look over there and we don't we don't understand what's going on over there either. But yeah. you do have a number of uh, senators, I believe, who want to do the right thing. I think all. Um, politicians and elected officials learn from the knee jerk reaction to what happened in Minneapolis. Obviously it was, it was, it was terrible. And the process, uh, you know, the, as tragic as it was, the, the officer was held accountable and, and, uh, which again goes back to our conversation about qualified immunity. It doesn't protect, it doesn't protect someone from, yeah. from violating operating, the civil rights uh, and constitutional rights outside of a, the law or policy. It does right. not protect them. So it sort of proves our point about yeah. qualified immunity. But I think I think I, I hope all elected officials uh, learned that oftentimes the knee jerk reaction isn't the most prudent reaction. And uh, now we have a chance, I think, to do the right thing and show support for law enforcement. Obviously, we recognize that uh, law enforcement is uh, is a, often a, it's a local and state issue, but the federal government plays a role here. I think in a big way in providing resources and and grants and. And also uh, protecting our our law enforcement community in other ways, and 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 I hope Congress figured figured that out, and you'll see that in this new majority. Yeah, I think uh, one of the problems that we see across the country is when when Congress is able to do something that's meaningful, then I I, I think states accept that. But when they don't do it, you see states taking a wide range of their approach on criminal justice reform, and they are really all over the place. And and there's there's no question. Look, data doesn't lie. You know, that's the thing about data. The numbers don't lie. They don't care whether you like them or not. They, they, you know, they, they just tell you a story. And if you look across this country, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, policies that were put in place have really made our communities and our jobs, law enforcement officers, less mm-hmm. safe. Uh, something, something needs to, to give. You know, you mentioned about prosecutors. I like to, you know, uh, to, to point out the fact that prosecutors and judges both are protected by qualified immunity as well. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many would take the positions that they are of allowing people to the, re, the the revolving door of criminals being put back on the street. When we know so much, most of the, most of the crime in our country, the violent crime in our country is committed by a very small percentage of people. Mm-hmm. And when we effectively take them off of the streets, then we, we impact crime. When they have a revolving door and they put back on the street, we have case after case after case after case that just shows that they continue their carnage and, and the damage is done. And somehow prosecutors think they're doing something in, in, in the name of social justice, but the very communities they claim that they're helping are the ones that are taking, you know, taking the, the worst, uh, the worst mm-hmm. of it. Um, give me your thoughts on, on the prosecuted, you know, the, the, the other part of criminal justice system. When all of these things work together, we, we impact crime. We, yeah, we, so true. Quality of life is, is there, but when you take one aspect of it and, uh, take, and, and it's, it's not in succinct with everything else, that's where our problem is. Yeah. So again, you get back to the what, what is the role of federal government? And yeah. I, Speaker McCarthy, on the campaign trail last year when we were campaigning uh, to win the majority, he talked a lot about you know what what can we do to create a database of that, that shows the public which judges, prosecutors, district attorneys are actually enforcing the law and which ones aren't, which ones are ignoring ignoring the rule of law. So there, I think you'll see le- you're going to see legislation come out of the House of Representatives that I think we very pro law and order that the FOP and other pro law enforcement organizations will support. Hopefully you'll be a part of helping to draft it and, and get it right. So I think you're going to see that movement in the coming months and uh, look forward to talking more about that then. But there's also the, what, what's the name uh, of the, the, the bail project in Indianapolis that oh, 
the bail project. You know, you got these left-wing groups that are paying bail for criminals and letting them back out to commit more crimes. Let's let's put a stop to it. No let's doubt. pass a federal law that that stops organizations like the Bail Project, which is in in Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. This this organization is responsible for criminals being let out on the back onto the streets to commit yeah. more crimes and and violent crimes, and they've never been held accountable for it. Yeah. Basically, acting as bail bondsmen without without the uh, certifications funded by left wing yeah. activists exactly. and, and exactly groups. and and many of these very people, case after case, Indiana, perfect example have gone on to con- continue the carnage. People would be alive today if we kept them off the streets. Yeah. I mean, it really is. If, if you want to talk about the quality of life in communities, um, you can't bla- place everything at, pla- at, at the feet of the uh, of law enforcement. Uh, we're all part of a, a big web here that, uh, that, that ultimately – you know, quality of life, the uh, the businesses we have in our communities, all all of these things are directly related, are all interwoven. And uh, to have uh, outsiders come in with their own money and free people, you know, get people out mm-hmm. of jail so they can continue that carnage. They, they, I mean, it just, it's we're talking cool. about law enforcement taking away, you know, having to respond to active shooter situations and these dangerous situations, and we shouldn't have any protections, yet they are... I mean, I can imagine it's demoralizing, yeah. right? I can imagine if you're a police officer and you arrest the same criminal over and over and over again and you right. continue to see that pattern that they're just going to be let back yeah, out to yeah. commit more crimes it's got to be demoralized yeah. everyone wants they want to know what we're doing what they're doing is important and that it's appreciated and it's hard to feel appreciated when we have this revolving door the very people we're trying to to take out of the lives of, of, of those that we're swore to protect and serve to, to, mm-hmm. to you know take them out of that the, the, the path of, of destruction uh, and, and put them in the criminal justice system. When the criminal justice system lets them down, we're only one part of it. Yet we get blamed when it occurs over and over and over. So, so um, talk uh, just a little bit about what else you see coming out of Congress. You know, I've, uh, you, you talked earlier about, you know, the extreme, extreme left. You know, it's almost a battle of extremes. Uh, there are a lot of people on both sides of the aisle. And I'm very, very conscious of, you know, meaningful legislation takes some bipartisan approach. You know, so I, I, I try not to allow our organization to be put in a, you know, a pack you know, in, 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 a, in a path that we are leaning one way or the other. What we're doing is we're leaning for the issues that are important to law enforcement. And I know that it is vitally important for us to, to have both sides of that. But, uh, you know, we do have a little bit of different Congress this time. You know, it's uh, kind of inverted from last, uh, last uh, Congress um, where um, that balance is awfully close. What's, what's our path of doing anything meaningful? I mean, let's tell us what, what, what can what – can, your voters do what? What can we do to try and turn the temperature down? Get everybody back on the same page because this, this is much greater than a political party. This is really all about it, the quality of our community. We're all stakeholders in it. Yeah, I, I made this comment earlier, and I said I don't want this to be a partisan political right. conversation. And I, you know, I, where I grew up, again, I mean, police officers were split pretty yeah. evenly between yeah. Republican and Democrat. And although I'm I'm a Republican, so I admit I like it yeah. that. The law enforcement community is supporting Republicans. I hope we get back to the day where it's split evenly. It's a bipartisan issue where we have bi- we show bipartisan support for law enforcement. Yeah, why can't I, we all get on the same page when it comes to the safety? And I, I remember if it was you know three, four, or five years ago when when a few um, I won't even mention their names, but you know who I'm talking about. Uh, when a few uh, Democrats from the socialist left started getting elected, they started talking about defunding the police. We thought it was crazy. We thought it was yeah. nuts. We thought. Nobody's going to buy into it, but it really created a na- there was a national defund the police movement, and yeah. and you had some some of my Democrat friends who I work with on I serve on the Armed Services Committee, I work on veterans issues, by bipart- truly bipartisan issues, and some of my Democrat friends were 
doing everything that they could to let the public know that that extreme view doesn't represent their party. But that, but I think that's, I think that's why where we are today. Yeah, I think it's a battle of extremes on both sides to, to some extent, you know, I just, uh, somewhere in the middle is America. I think the point that you're making is really important because now we have a, we have a narrow Republican majority, but most of us just recognize that America has some serious problems that we have yeah. to address right now. Yeah. And, and you talk about inflation, you talk about, you know, the, the how, how difficult it is to retain police officers because oftentimes they don't make nearly as much money as what they deserve. Indiana, I think we're, our, our state troopers in Indiana, I think we rank 12 out of 13 in the Midwest for yeah. entry level pay. And that makes it a lot hard. That makes it really hard to go out yeah. and recruit people to become a state trooper. Yeah. And inflation is one of the big, is, is one of the issues that affects all of us, working class Americans. So what, what can the Congress do in a meaningful bipartisan way to address and bring down inflation and fix rise, the issues related to high gas prices and, you know, the daily cost of living that, that, that will have as much of an impact on, on police officers, working class Americans that, and that should be bipartisan. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and like, like we said, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of aspects. They give a, a quality of a community and we're, we're definitely missing them. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about defunding that ship sailed. Uh, you know, we went down that path and a lot of people embraced it and did a lot of damage along the way. The problem is, is you can't throw fuel on a fire and curse the very flames you created. That's, mm-hmm. that's exactly where we find ourselves in America. Uh, the damage that was done during a period of time is going to last quite some time. And if we look at where we are today, Today. Uh, no, we're not talking about defunding anymore. You, you hear very little about it, but, but in a lot of ways, the damage that was done during that time is defunding. It's defunding in the fact that people won't take this job. And let's look at the end result of it. The end result is, is we have crime at rates we have not seen before. It just defies logic. And it's time for, for people to step up. And you know, one thing that we all agree with, poll after poll after poll shows every American, regardless of your political views, we all are concerned about safety and uh, public safety in, uh, in, in our communities, mm-hmm. big or small. We've yeah. got some work to do. We do have some work and to you do. You certainly do as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's 63% of Americans uh, have this perception. They're against qualified immunity. They have this perception of what it is and it isn't. And we talked about what it is and, uh, and the need for it, the importance of the stability for the law enforcement profession of trying to attract people into this job. Um, what can we do to educate because uh, we've tried, <laughs> we've tried and tried, and, he, and obviously, you look in Congress. There are a number of people that uh, that, are, that are in favor of it, and, and but they themselves are protected by it. Um, so I'm just, I'm just curious. What, what, what do we need to do as a society to really stop the rhetoric? Let's talk about real facts, and let's talk about qualified immunity and what it actually does, mm-hmm. as opposed to this perception that it allows, it allows, uh, you know, people to do to act with with with, with no consequences. Yeah, I, I think actually, if you explain to almost anybody what qualified immunity is they would support it yeah. so it's almost you know it's a it's a a name or a, a a term that most people have no idea what it even means i mean these are these the qualified immunity protects our law enforcement officers right. and it protects them from frivolous lawsuits so um and it, it empowers them to go out and do the job that we all uh, hope and expect that they will do to keep us safe and when you when you explain that to the average normal person, no matter what their political persuasion is, they will support qualified immunity. I, f- I find that to be the case in Indiana, where I come from, where there's a whole lot of common sense uh, among Hoosiers about 
why this is important and the important work that that our police officers do. So we have to explain it. We have to explain why it's important. And we also have to explain how dangerous it would be if we strip it away. If, if uh, Nancy Pelosi would have gotten her, her way and, and the, the, the bill that passed out of the House twice that stripped away qualified immunity, what would have happened? I, I, I think it would, have been, it would have been so dangerous. The people who, we actually, who actually want to serve in uniform and, and protect us, Likely, many of them would uh, would retire. They would they would leave, go find another job. And the people who we don't want protecting us, the people who aren't aren't well equipped okay. to wear the uniform and be police officers, would be the ones who would be replacing them. And and that 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 that's a da- that's a dangerous notion that we have to explain to the public that if you yeah. take away qualified immunity, it means our communities are going to be a lot less safe. Yeah, here's the thing about the best and brightest. Best and brightest out there, the ones we need to be the next wave of law enforcement. Well, the best and brightest could take a job anywhere and excel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need them to take public safety because public safety is that important. And, uh, and I, you know, you bring up another thing, and I just say, I don't know if you want to run down that one, but we started off talking about re- retention and recruiting. Now, I'll argue with you that before we could ever talk about recruiting, we got to start working on retention. And the reason why is because most law enforcement officers will tell you that they got into law enforcement because someone within law enforcement showed an interest, invited them in recognize the qualities they had and it was that relationship that pulled them in they didn't do they didn't see some commercial on tv that said yeah i think i'll go be a police officer some slick ad or any of that really the large majority and i'd say probably 80 better than 80 85 percent at least in 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 some some studies that i've I've read uh, suggest that other law enforcement officers invite people to come into this profession Mm -hmm. well guess what if you don't feel what you're doing is important and it's appreciated, you're not asking other people to come to this profession. Mm-hmm. So there's a movement across this country, uh, and, and I've heard a lot of groups talk about it, and they kind of teeter back and forth. And unfortunately, it's happening. What we're doing is we're lowering standards in order to be able to bring people into law enforcement. But really what we're doing is we're creating an even bigger problem for law enforcement in the long run. You know, you know, would you like to unpack that a little bit and, and give me your thoughts? Well, I think it's, it's very profound, and I completely agree with the point that you're making. I mean, we have to re- restore the respect uh, to our law enforcement community that, that all of you deserve before we can expect to go out and retain and recruit the best and the brightest. So I, I don't take that lightly. Yeah. I'm a I'm a leader. I'm a member of Congress, and it's my job to do everything that I can to make sure that we support our law enforcement officers. And that 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 is why I introduced the the bill to codify qualified immunity. Right. I, I didn't have at that point. I, I knew I knew with the political makeup, it's not going to go anywhere. But I want I want every man and woman who wears the uniform uh, the and and wears the blue to know that I've got their back. That as their congressman, I'm I'm doing my part to show support for law enforcement. That's why I introduced it. Well, we certainly do appreciate it, and it's needed. And I, I just hope before people vote on uh, before members of Congress vote on this bill on either side of the house. Uh, the Capitol, that they uh, they recognize and take some time to truly understand uh, what the bill does and what it does not. I mean, just uh, stop stop focusing on the rhetoric and uh, mm-hmm. let's look at the facts. The facts facts will play it out, and uh, that's important. I'm just, I'm just curious: uh, are there any other bills that uh, that, that coming through the uh, through Congress that uh, that have that address this issue and a stability issue of law enforcement that uh, you'd like to share? Well, we're just getting started. We got off yeah. to a late start. Yeah. I mean, everybody saw the the speaker votes right. uh, that lasted for the first week, and now we're our committees are just getting started. So, but here's what I promise you: here's my my commitment. This Republican majority will be strong in support of law and order and support of our police officers. And I know Speaker McCarthy is already working on a to draft a a large um, uh, uh, 
number of bills that we will introduce and pass out of this Congress. Well, great. Representative Banks, if if, uh, if somebody wants to know more about you, uh, about your work that you do, what's the best way for them to go about finding, uh, finding out some more information? Well, we're active on social media. So Congressman Jim Banks on Facebook, at Rep Jim Banks on Twitter. Uh, find us there. Join the conversation. We post about these important issues frequently. So come and join the, join the conversation with us online. Well, and I also want to thank you on behalf of your constituents in, in Indiana. I work very closely with the Indiana uh, State Lodge and uh, local lodges and, and, and the discussions that, that ultimately led, led to this. And I want to thank you for your leadership on that as well. Thank you. And thanks for what all, everything that you all do here is so important. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate all you do. I truly do appreciate the, you know, just the call and the attention and, and, and educating uh, America about qualified immunity and recognizing just how disastrous it would be uh, for public safety and, and just the safety of every community if it was uh, if we were to lose it. And thank so, you for what you do as well. Yeah, and thank you, sir. And to our viewers and listeners, I, I appreciate you tuning in to the Blue View where we talk about the issues that are so vitally important to the men and women in law enforcement who suit up and show up every single day in communities. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.